Have you been searching for a word from the Lord? You want to feel his presence. You want to feel his love. Well, look no further, cause no matter who you are, you're all welcome here at Rising for blessing our hearts again amen and for the videos and all the things that we have witnessed on today amen good to see elder cook and brother cook back with us as well I know you should have been out of town for quite some time amen We're dealing with Delph and the family and all of that good to see you all on today as we celebrate mother's day amen again we send a shout out to all the mothers birth mothers foster mothers amen grandmothers great grandmothers amen fairy godmothers no, I'm just kidding. No, no. no I'm just kidding. Okay. All right. I'm in praise. Okay, praise. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. All right. Let's look at our text for today. Genesis, the 21st chapter. Amen. Verses 1 through 13. Genesis, the 21st chapter. Verses 1 through 13 for our message. Reading from the NIV. Let's read it. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God has promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, what would have said or who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had borne to Abraham was mocking, and she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do, do not be distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Amen. We want to use for our subject. Don't mess with my child. <laughs> and all the mothers said... Amen. 
Amen. Amen. <laughs> All the gangster mothers say, show sure enough, amen. <laughs> amen. All the packing mamas. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for another day's journey. We thank you for life, health, and strength. God, we thank you for all the wonderful blessings that you continue to shower down upon us. Oh, dear God, we thank you, dear God, how you watched over us safely another week, oh, dear God, and how you brought us to the house of prayer, oh, dear God, so that we can worship with our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. God, we thank you for the Zion Psalms that we've heard. We thank you for the prayers that have been prayed. We thank you for the scriptures that have been read. Now, God, as we come to your priest's prayer, we pray now that you will let this man serving down deep into the storehouse of your wisdom, your knowledge, and your power. And able to God that I might be able to bring a word to these your people. God, I pray that I would decrease. I pray that you might increase. I pray that you would speak in me and through me, to God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and redeemer. For this is your servant's prayer in the marvelous, matchless, majestic name of Jesus, our Messiah. And all the people, God said, Amen, Amen, and Amen. God in three persons. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Church, amen. Amen, amen. So don't mess with my child. Now, this message is going to get a little tough as we kind of go through it a little bit here, okay? Think of it when you come to church, uh, you're going in for surgery, okay? And when you're going for surgery, they give you some anesthesia, okay, it's to make sure that you don't feel the pain. But, you know, eventually it will hurt, amen, once it's all over. So I give you laughter. That's the anesthesia, okay? And then I drop some truth bombs on you. That's surgery, cutting you. But stay on the table, Okay, because before we conclude the message and give the invitation, we're going to sew you up, patch you up, and send you home with some medication. <laughs> Amen. The word of God. Amen. All right. But don't mess with my child. Amen. There's something about a mother's love that's different, I believe, than from a father's love. I believe that a mother loves on a whole different level. Generally speaking, of course, a mother's love is special. A mother's love is unique. Chris Rock's mother said that when Will Smith slapped her son, it was like him slapping her. Even though Chris Rock is still processing what happened, his mother is still upset behind what happened and wants Will Smith to offer her son an official apology. See, there is an attachment that the mother has with the child that is second to none. A mother will give her last to help her child. Long after everyone else has given up on him or her, a mother will still hang in there and keep praying for her child. If you want to see a mother become almost like a monster, mess with her child. Amen. Amen. She gets power, supernatural power. Amen. I remember even on... The farm, I grew up in Alabama on the farm, amen. Daddy was a, both a farmer and a janitor. And I remember when we had hogs and stuff, and the female uh, a hog called a sow would have pigs. And if you would mess with one of those pigs, she would come after you. But the boar hog wouldn't bother you. But that mother hog, amen, that sow, she would tear you up. 
if you mess with one of her babies. The same thing happened because we had chickens as well, and we used to call them when they were getting ready to hatch biddies, we would call them setting hens. Anybody remember that? Okay, I know I'm going, you know, in the country. In fact, I'm on the dirt road right now. Okay, <laughs> I'm out of the country. <laughs> but anyway, you would have these uh, uh, these these hens, and the and the hens would be sitting on these uh, eggs, and they would call them setting hens. And, and the ones they had uh, biddies that we call them little, little chicks. Okay, if you mess with one, she will come after you, and she will tear you up, because I believe that God has put something unique. And something distinct in, 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 in mothers that makes them want to protect and take care of their child. And sometimes when you rub a child the wrong way, the mother will speak up. And sometimes, brothers, you have to pull the mother back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because the mother be ready to jump up and get ready to start something. But hold on, baby, because if, we, if, if stuff goes down, I'm going to have to fight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember somebody cut me off in traffic one time and Sister Lewis reached over there real quick and hit the horn and she said something. I'm like, hold on, baby. If that man get out of the car, he's coming after me. <laughs> Slow your road, sister. <laughs> amen. Amen. But there's something about uh, a mother, amen, that, that makes her very protective of her uh, child, amen. She has supernatural power and a boldness when it comes to her child, and she will defend her child. She will speak up for her child, and if necessary, a mother will even fight for her child, okay? On today, we salute all the mothers, like I said, the birth mothers, the foster mothers, the godmothers, the grandmothers, the great-grandmothers, everybody in the house and everybody online. We salute you as mothers because you have a difficult job, and I want to commend you on doing a job well done. Amen. Let's give it up for the mothers. As we come to our text, Abraham and Sarah, they are still tabernacling. They have not made it to the promised land, Canaan. You know, they're living in tents and things of that nature. So they're wandering through the desert, and they're waiting for God to fulfill the promise that he had given them, that he was going to bless them with a son. And that son, of course, would be Isaac. So my first point is the Lord's promise. The Lord's promise. And I believe God has promised us all something, and we are waiting for that promise to be fulfilled. So we see, first of all, under the Lord's promise, Sarah pregnancy. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he said and the Lord did for Sarah what he has promised. God is no shorter than his word. Whatever God has spoken whatever God has said, God is big enough and man enough and bad enough, amen, to bring it to pass. The Bible said God is not a man that he should lie if he has spoken it, he shall bring it to pass. Amen. Because God has all power and he controls everything so God can make it happen when he wants it to happen, how he wants it to happen, or whomever he wants it to happen for. So he promised Sarah as well as Abraham that they were going to have a child and God is delivering on his promise. So Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God had promised him. So God will fulfill his promise. If God has told you something, amen, he will fulfill his promise. And God will fulfill his promise in his timing and not your timing. We got to keep that in mind. Now, the Bible stresses that the Lord causes conception, okay? That God allows people to get pregnant, okay? That children are a gift from the Lord. We see this in Psalms 127 and 3. The Bible says that when you have a child, that is a gift from the Lord, okay? The word visit is an extraordinary choice here because it means that the Lord enter directly into the affairs of his people. So when it says that God visited 
Sarah and God visited Abraham, it means that God showed up in their situation and God delivered in their situation and God brought to fruition the promise that he had given them. Now, I want to say some stuff here and I want to say this. Now, I prepared my message last Sunday before some of this controversy hit the news this week, but I feel as a pastor and as a Christian, I do need to say something. Now, we may not all agree on what I'm about to say, but just let me say what I'm going to say. I'm not talking about nobody. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. So let me talk. Now, now you, you know me, I'm not a politically correct preacher at all, okay? So if you're looking for a politically correct preacher and a sermon that on Sunday, wrong church, wrong pastor, okay? But I do want to share some things with you so that you can have some understanding or have some kind of uh, position as a believer concerning some of the stuff that's going on. Because I think one of the worst things that can happen for us as Christians is for stuff to be going on in the real world, and we come to church, and we never hear a word about what's going on in the real world. Now, the Gordon C. Taylor said that as a preacher, you need to have the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other hand. And you need to take the Word of God and bring it to the world in which we live so people know how to take the Word of God and apply it to everyday life. Are you with me? I remember when uh, Trayvon Martin got killed and they had the trial with George Zimmerman and all that and they let him off. And I remember Marcus, my nephew, coming to my room and said, uh, Uncle Amos, I can't believe that they found that man innocent of killing Trayvon Martin. I mean, he was shaken up by it because he was a black teenager. We went to church. In fact, we went to the church of Trayvon Martin, his mother's church. We got there and I saw all those young adults and they were there. And they were hurting. You can look on their faces and see that they were hurting. They were puzzled. And they, they wanted to hear something from the pastor, something from the preacher, something that would give them some type of comfort in the midst of this tragedy. They had the news stations outside and all these things going on. They had a guest speaker. The pastor pretty much said, pray for the mother. And the guest speaker didn't say one word about the situation or said anything to comfort those young people. And I said to myself, this is why young adults don't go to church. You see, nobody clapped on that. Because when we come to church, oftentimes we don't want to deal with reality. But you heard the controversy, and I'm just going to say some stuff, drop some truth bombs, and I'm going to move on to my sermon. Now, the, the Roe versus Wade controversy, that's what I'm talking about for those of you who refuse to watch the news and don't know what's going on. Okay, now as Christians, you got to know what's going on in the world. Listen, how can you apply the word of God to help somebody as a Christian and you clueless and you don't know what's going on? Come on, stick with me now. Don't be so heavenly minded, you know, earthly good. Come on, somebody, because God has called us to be salt and light and speak truth to power. Are you with me? Now, listen to me. Now, I want to be clear and go on record in saying I am pro-life. All right. I am pro-life. All right. I believe that life is sacred from the womb, not to the tomb, but through the tomb. What do you mean, Pastor Lewis? I believe that conception all the way through the tomb, that life is sacred because God is the author of life. God formed man out of the dust of the earth and blew into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. I believe in life. I am pro-life, amen, from the womb to the tomb. Are you with me? Or through the tomb, because I believe in eternal life, that life doesn't stop even at the tomb. That's why I said through the tomb. Because we have eternal life. Now stick with me before you start clapping. Right. Listen. I'm pro-life, but not just pro-birth. 
Some, some, some of y'all missed that. Let me say that again. I am pro-life and not just pro-birth. There are some people who are pro-birth, meaning they want to force women to have a baby, even in cases of rape, incest, and when the life of the mother is at risk. However, these same people aren't willing to do anything for babies once they are born. They fight every law, they fight every program, and every senator out there to help children. They should also be fighting not only for pro-life, amen, for the baby to be born, but you should be fighting for maternity leave for parents. You should be fighting for prenatal care. You should be fighting for health care, child care, battle schools, battle jobs, and equal pay for women. I said I'm pro-life, not just pro-birth. Amen. You need to take care of when they're in the womb, when they come out the womb, when they go to school. Come on, somebody. We need to take care of people from the beginning all the way to the end. So just don't be pro-birth. Be pro-life and take care of the children once they show up and once they get here and make sure that they can have some kind of quality of life. Get rid of that cherry-picking theology, amen. you just going to pick certain things that you're going to stand behind. You need to stand behind everything that's right, from the womb to the tomb. All right. All right. Jesus, watch this. Jesus, said, Jesus didn't say, I'll come that they may have birth and have it more abundantly. He said, I'll come that they may what? Have life and have life more abundantly. And that's what we're trying to do. Yes, I am pro-life, but not just pro-birth. By the way, whether you believe it or not, people are going to have abortions, whether it's legal or illegal. And some of y'all know some people who had abortions, amen, before it was legal. And if they make it illegal, some people are going to still have abortions, and they're going to do it themselves, and it's going to be illegal and unsafe. And what they're also going to do, they're going to go to other states where it's legal and then have it there. And then if they pass this law, what's going to happen? Now, now, think with me. Now, listen to me. I don't believe anybody should have an abortion because it's not convenient, unwanted, got pregnant out of wedlock. I'm a teenager. I can't afford it right on down the line. But I do make exception and leave it up between the woman and God when it comes to rape, incest, and the mother's life on the line. And I don't think politicians need to enter into the bedroom and in the doctor's office and tell a woman what she ought to do with her body. In cases like that, you need to leave that alone and leave that between the woman and God. That's what I'm trying to say. Are y'all with me? Do you feel what I'm trying to say? Because, because... If this law passed, what they're saying is this, that if you get raped by somebody, they, they're trying to force you to have the baby. And if you have an abortion, they're saying that that's a felony and you can go to prison for four years. So you already been victimized by being raped and that you didn't want. Now you're telling me I got to be forced to have this child. That's what I'm saying. Now, I'm a man. So I so my position really doesn't mean a whole lot to women because I'm not a woman. But I'm saying this, though. I don't think it's fair that you tell a woman that she can be raped and then turn around and force her to have the baby. I'm just saying that some things, listen to me, I'm saying that some things should be left between the people and God. 
That's what I'm saying. We've got to stop trying to micromanage people and tell people what they can and can't do. We need to preach the truth, live the truth, and then leave it up to God. In other words, stop judging people and start loving people. The more we love people, the more better people will be off. They might want to have the baby. Put the baby up for adoption and let somebody else raise the baby. So what I'm saying, we just need to be stop being self-righteous, judgmental, condemning without compassion and understanding when we're dealing with people. That's my sermon right there. And I'm not done. And you know I'm not done. Watch this. So listen. So, so they know. Now, now here's another thing, especially to some of you, my conservative black members. And I don't know what you're trying to conserve. Now listen to me. Listen to me. They know, talking about the far right, okay, some of the far right, especially the white evangelicals, they know that there is a number game. They know it's a number game, and soon they're going to be outnumbered. In a democracy, listen to me, in a democracy and a capitalistic system, the majority wins and the minority loses. So if it's a number game, it's just a matter of time that they're going to be outnumbered. A recent report from the U.S. Census Bureau, Bureau predicted that by as early as 2044, America will become a majority minority nation. Where, watch this. Where no one racial group will have account for over half of the population. Although white Americans are expected to continue to account for the largest single racial group, listen, decreases in fertility and increases in immigration will cause those who identify as non-Hispanic white alone to technically become a minority. What are you saying, Pastor Lewis? I'm saying that a lot of these people y'all think are pro-life, they're pro-life not for brown and black babies. So before you get on the bandwagon, know your history, go back and read your history. They're not trying to have more black and brown babies. Study your history. Now, they know it's a number game in a capitalistic society, and the majority wins, and they know because fertility is down for them, and they have less babies, and now you turn around, you're killing your babies, and, and immigration is coming up. Guess what? It's just a matter of time you're going to be a minority. And when you become a minority, you don't have the power that you used to have. And that's what I'm saying. Before you jump on these bandwagons, you better understand what they're saying. Okay. I'm not done yet. I'm almost done. I saw a flag yesterday, big American flag on one side of the truck. On the other side of the truck, it said F Biden. I saw another truck not too long ago. It said Joe and that hoe got to go. Listen, I'm saying this is the kind of climate that exists in America. And a lot of times when you go to these churches, people are endorsing this kind of rhetoric and people are endorsing these types of policies that's not fair for everybody. And I'm saying as Christians, we got to make the playing field fair and level for everybody, that God loves everybody. That's why I said we're building a kingdom culture at Rising Star where everybody is valuable, everybody is loved, everybody is treated with dignity and respect. That's why you're precious here, whether you're red, yellow, brown, black, or white, we're all precious. In God's sight, where there's no racism here, no classism here, no denominationism here, all the ism and schism got to get out of rise and stop. Amen. Now, I, I read this and I'm gonna move on. 
Pro-choice does not mean pro-abortion. Pro-choice means that no matter what your personal feelings or beliefs about abortions are, you understand it is not your place to make a decision for another woman about what she can and can't do with her body. Leave the woman alone and let God judge the woman and you just love the woman. Let me just repeat. I said, leave the woman alone. Love the woman. Come on. Help the woman. Assist the woman. Pray for the woman. Minister to the woman. Counsel the woman. Do whatever you need to do, but you let that be between the woman and God and stop judging people and condemning people and being self-righteous and being mean to people and nasty to people. All right. Now, I hadn't planned on saying all that, but it came out this week. And I already had my text. Y'all know I love you, right? Come on, group hold. All right. All right. All right. Now, let me move on. All right. Now, so the next thing we have, not only is Sarah's pregnancy, this is going to get better now. That's the rough part. It's going to get better now. So stick with me. All right. Abraham's progeny. Okay. Progeny, okay, it's descendants, okay, that's just, a, I need another P word, okay. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah, okay, that she bore to him. When his son Isaac was eight years old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. They called the boy or named the boy Isaac, which means laughter, because Sarah said, God has made me laugh. The first time they laughed, it was a laugh of doubt. This time it's a laugh of laughter and happiness because God had fulfilled his promise. And they were excited about the fact that God had blessed them with a child. And again, I go back to what I said earlier, that children are a gift from God. Regardless of how they got here, listen to me, children are a blessing from God. So never look at a child as being a second-class child because every child that you see, regardless of how they got here, they are a gift from God. Appreciate the gift that you receive from God and do your best to raise that child the best you can because you got a stewardship. God holds you responsible how you raise that child. Now listen, Isaac, the son of promise, was finally born to Abraham and Sarah. Though Isaac, uh, through Isaac, God will continue his covenant with Abraham. Remember he told Abraham, now here's the thing that the Jews didn't understand. Sometimes we as Christians don't understand it as well. Listen, God told Abraham in the 12th chapter of Genesis, through you, Abraham, the entire world, not just Jews, he said the entire world is going to be blessed, okay? Because the Messiah is going to come through Abraham's descendants. Are you with me? But the Jews started practicing what we call exceptionalism, imperialism, that we are better than everybody else, and the Gentile, uh, the, the Jews looked at the Gentiles as being dogs. And the Jews used to pray, I thank God I'm not a Gentile, I thank God I'm not a slave, and I thank God I'm not a woman. That was a Jewish rabbi prayer. Because it's, a, it's sad when God blesses you and give you favor and give you opportunities and wealth and all these things. And then you got the mitigated goal to turn around and turn your nose down on other people. Not realizing God bless you with a platform and position and power and wealth and education. Not for you to look down on anybody, but for you to reach down and pick somebody up and bring them up. That's why God bless you with favor. That's why God gave you the education. That's why God gave you that job. 
job. That's why God gave you that influence. So you can help somebody. It's not about you. So through Abraham, God was going to bless the entire world. But he was going to bless them through Sarah. Okay? That the Messiah was going to come through Sarah, even though he would have other descendants. Okay? Now, here's the thing. Stick with me. Okay? Just because God told you something and it is delayed doesn't mean it will be denied. The old people, you say, he may not come when you want him, but he will be on time. Watch this. And God, sometimes he'll wait in order to fulfill the promise so that you might experience his power. I said, God will wait to fulfill his promise in order that you might experience his power. So let's go to the next point. Not also the, the promise, but the next point is the power. Okay? The Lord's power. And I'll say some more about that in a minute, but first let's talk about the celebration. So Sarah gave birth to Isaac. Isaac brought her laughter. And the people who hear about it, they're going to laugh as well. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have born a son. Yeah, he has born a son in his old age. And she as well. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to God, age is just a number. You don't have to be too young or too old. Age is just a number when it comes to God because God can do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, whenever he wants to do it, with whomever he wants to do it. Watch this. Would you believe that Abraham would have a son at the age of 100 years old? 100. Mm. And then lived to adulthood to raise the child. He died at 175, so he had the child at 100 and spent 75 years with Isaac. But doing the impossible is everyday business for God. How many of you know that? Our big problems wouldn't seem so impossible if we would let God handle stuff. Watch this. Now, here's the thing that, that, that blows my mind about the text. Well, let me just read the second one before I give you my commentary. All right. Uh, notice it says, the child grew and was weaned, and on that day uh, was weaned. Abraham held a great feast, but Sarah saw what was going on. Okay, so that's something a little different. So let me just stick back to the ordinary people, okay? After repeated promises, a visit by two angels, and the appearance of the Lord himself, Sarah finally cried out with surprise and joy at the birth of her son. Because of her doubt, worry, and fear, she had forfeited the peace she could have felt in God's wonderful promise to her. The way to bring peace to a troubled heart is to focus on God's promises. Trust him to do what he says. Okay? Now, here's the thing I want you to see. God said, okay, I got the power. My power is not the question. Okay? I can do all things. I'm omnipotent. I got all power. I'm all not present, which means I can be everywhere at the same time. And I'm omniscient, which means I know everything. If I know everything... I can be everywhere at the same time, and I got all power. Everything is under my jurisdiction. Everything is under my control. Watch this. But God said, I want to have a relationship with you, and I want you to develop a relationship with me. So what God would do, God would give you a promise. 
And then after God gives you a promise, God has to teach you patience so that you wait for the promise to be fulfilled. And when God gives you a promise, while you're waiting for the promise to be fulfilled, he works on your patience, which means that he's worked on your character. And to work on your character because he gave you a promise and you got to have patience, God gives you problems. Y'all didn't like that part, huh? All right. God said, listen, I'm going to give you a promise because I have a plan and a purpose for your life. I give you a promise, but while you're waiting on the promise, I got to develop your character. So once you get the promise, you can handle the, the promise. Are you with me? So I got to work on your character. Here's the promise. Work on your character. Patience. Okay? So now I got to give you some problems. Okay? See this, see this pulpit? It didn't come out the woods looking like this. They had to cut the wood. They had to sand the wood. They had to varnish the wood. So God said, there's a process that you got to go through. And that's why I said, if you don't go through the process, you can't have the position once you get the promotion. So God said, I got to send some stuff your way. So when you finally get the promise fulfilled, you know it was God and not you. Okay, let me go to this side. Watch this. When God gave the promise to Abraham, Abraham was 75 years old. How many know that he was already too old? <laughs> now, we got the children with me, so you're going to have to work with me with some creativity. They did not have Viagra. They did not have Cialis. Come on, somebody. They did not have fertility pills. Come on. I'm just trying to tell you, at 75, he was already too old. And just in case he could at 75, God said, I'm not going to give it to that 75 because you still might think you did it. So God made Abraham and Sarah wait 25 more years. Right now we know you did. <laughs> the children are here. I'm trying to keep it PG. Come on, somebody. Work with me. I'm just saying that, listen, you, you might have been able to pull it off at 75, baby, but there's no way. Viagra, I don't care what you got. Roots, I don't care what you got. 100, it ain't no work. So watch this. So, so, so God is saying, when you're at the end of your rope, you have depleted all your resources, all your connections, all what you can do yourself. That's when God steps in. So God said, now you know it's going to be a bona fide miracle because the doctors couldn't do this. You couldn't do this. Sarah couldn't do this. I did this. To God be the glory for the great thing he has done. So sometimes God lets you get in a bad situation because he wants to show up and show out in your life. And God said that what you ask the soul is too small. I got a bigger miracle in store for you. Remember what I told you last time about the two acres we had and we couldn't build a church? God said it was too small. He had four and a half acres. Then we got the other half acre. We had five acres now. God said that, pl that plan and that prayer were too small. That's why I shut it down. God said, I want to be glorified. You know the word glory means weight. God said, I want to show up in your situation and throw my weight around. So everybody knows it's me. When I show up and start throwing my weight around, everybody knows God showed up in the situation. Wasn't your education. Wasn't your bank account. Wasn't no connection. It was me. I showed up and I showed out. I threw my weight around in your situation. I threw my weight around on your job. I threw my weight around in your ministry. I threw my weight around. 
watch this. Okay. Now we see the confrontation, that celebration. People happy about the celebration. Now we got the confrontation. How many of y'all been married long enough to know? See <laughs> Jack run with the big red bow. <laughs> how many of you been married long enough? I don't care how much you love your wife, how much you love your husband. Sooner or later, there's going to be some conflict. There's going to be some confrontation. The child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, that Egyptian, had born to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, with her hands on her hip, with attitude, <laughs> get rid of that slave woman and her son. For the slave woman's son would never share in the inheritance of my son Isaac. In other words, hey ho, she got to go. Come on. That's 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 the homeboy translation of it. All right, come on, come on. Watch it. She got to go. That's what she was saying. Wasn't that what she's saying? Listen. She saw what happened, and that night Abraham thought he was gonna sleep. Uh-uh, Sarah said, uh-uh, you ain't no sleep tonight. Can any brother testify that when something going on, the sister will not let you sleep? How you going to crawl yourself up in this bed and pretend you going to go to sleep and you know we got some stuff going on? You might as well wake up because we need to talk. Is there any brothers in the house can testify those are the words you hate to hear? We need to talk. Translation, you are in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you're like do we have to can I just buy you a new dress some flowers or something come no we're gonna talk all right come on back now watch this the weaning of a child or children in the ancient near east took a place around the ages of three to four years old ouch and occasionally even later but it was not so much about the nutrition. They said it was about the child bonding with the parent during those formative years. So that they would grow not only physically, but psychologically and socially be bonded to the mother. Okay? So Isaac was somewhere between the age of three or four. Okay? Now, the Hebrew word here, uh, scoffing, okay, is related to the name Isaac. Okay? At its root. Here is a bad turn on a wonderful joke. Young Ishmael, now perhaps around 17, was marking the joy of Sarah and Abraham uh, life, their young son. Okay? Now, basically, he being a teenager around about 17, and Isaac being about three or four, he was really mocking him making fun of him, scoffing at him. In other words, today we can say he was bullying him. And how do you know that bullying is a very serious problem in the 21st century amongst young people, and a lot of young people are struggling with bullying. And you need to equip your young people so that they can deal with the bullets that they're going to run into. Now, now this is old school. I'm just sharing old school stuff with you. Anybody from the old school, you know back in the day, amen, how to handle a bullet back in the old school. 
Okay, because use a bullet just was a lot of talk and no action. All right. So at some point, you got to get tired of giving the bully your milk money. <laughs> some of y'all with me. So what I'm just saying is, starting today, you're not going to get no more milk money from me. If you're going to get any more milk money from me, you're going to have to take it, and you're going to have to fight for it. And the average bully will leave you alone. Now, if, you, if the bully is bigger than you, you have to bring some reinforcement. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I ain't talking about no gun. I ain't talking about no knife. I'm talking about a big stick. It's called the equalizer. <laughs> okay, y'all didn't go to that school, okay? Anybody know what I'm talking about? That Listen, don't you start nothing, but if they start something and they're bigger than you, you get you something and make it equal. And then if you had friends, especially if you had family members or brothers and sisters, you better not let your brother or sister get beat up while you stand by and watch it. Because if they started and your sister is getting beat up, your brother's getting beat up, you're authorized to jump in and save the family's name from shame. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I learned early on, all I had to do was beat one person real good, and everybody else left me alone. And I beat one guy so bad, I went off, man, I was shaking, I was carrying them on and cussing. And, oh, well, I'm sorry, but you know that before Christ. But you know, <laughs> okay, that's for Jesus. Okay, but anyway, I mean, I, I, I went off on him like I had lost my mind. And everybody said, don't mess with him, he's crazy. Okay. So, so what I'm saying is you need to teach your children good health and self-esteem, good health and self-respect so they don't let people put them down and make them feel bad where they feel like they have to kill themselves because somebody doesn't like them or somebody put something on social media. You can say whatever you want to about me. I still love me. God loves me. My mama loves me. My daddy loves me. My friends love me. You got to have that kind of self-esteem so when people say stuff to you, it'll bounce off of you and you don't take that stuff personally. That's what I'm saying. All right. That's all free. All right, so the celebration is going on. Ishmael persecuting Isaac. Sarah is mad. Then I had to talk. Now we see the plan. Here's the Lord's plan in verse 11 through 13. Abraham was distressed, okay? The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it was concerning his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your maidservant. Now, here we go. What we call, I call this the love triangle. Okay. Uh, let me help you, brothers. If you're having problems with your current woman, adding another woman won't help. <laughs> I know that's real deep. Come on, somebody. I said, if you're having problems with one woman, adding another woman will not help the situation. It just makes it worse. Just, just so you know. Okay. But there was legal codes of Abraham's day, the Nutsi code, N-U-Z-I, and the Hammurabi uh, code. The Nutsi code was developed in a city called Nutsi and Mesopotamia, and then the Hammurabi code was developed in Babylon after one of the uh, kings there. But it forbade the putting out of a handmaiden's son if a rightful natural heir, uh, heir was born, okay? So Sarah requests thus offended social law and Abraham's sensibilities and his love for Ishmael. Now, here's the situation. Now, first of all, God told them, we're going to bless you with a child. But what happened was Abraham and Sarah got together on their own, and they decided that they were going to help God. 
So because they tried to help God, now you got Hagar in the picture, and now you got Ishmael. And it caused problems from day one because as soon as Hagar had a child by Abraham by the name of Ishmael, she started dissing Sarah, disrespecting her. Are you with me? Now, Sarah was still the primary wife, and Hagar was what we call the secondary wife. So it wasn't a mistress or uh, an affair or anything like that. He did legally marry her according to customs, okay? But here's the thing. Again, every time you add somebody to your marriage, even including your family members and your in-laws, you invite in drama. Come on, somebody. I said, when you get married, you got to leave mama and daddy and them alone. Come on, somebody. You can get advice from them, but don't bring them into your marriage because you're just going to have extra problems because everybody got an idea of how your marriage should run. Amen. But since you got to live with them, you got to work things out with them because you get mad at your husband or wife and call them everything. Next week, you back in love with them. But your in-laws still mad at him. That's right. They remember all that stuff you said. Yeah, you still with him, but he's still no good. I know what you said. <laughs> and listen to me. And, and they violated God's principles because sometimes something can be legally right and still morally wrong. Let me repeat what I said. Sometimes something can be legally right and morally wrong. But love and legal custom played a part in Abraham's anguish. He knew that the customs of his day, illustrated later in the Nusit tablets, prohibited the arbitrary expulsion of a female servant's son. So he knew that, okay? So he's distressed. The word distress here in the Hebrew means that he was shaken. He was internally shaken. You ever had something that happened to you that hit you so hard that internally you're shaken? And the Hebrew word here paints the picture of the wind blowing a curtain. Abraham was really stressed out over this situation because he loved Ishmael and he loved Isaac and he wanted to do what was right because he was a man who really loved God. So this is what God tells him. Abraham's uh, distressed, but then we see Ishmael's blessing. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, okay? A lot of, a lot of men need to read that verse. I said a lot of men need to read that verse listen to whatever Sarah tells you because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned I will make the son of the maid servant into a nation also because he is a young offspring now let me just say this now the first time Sarah gave Abraham advice he should not have listened okay when 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 Sarah said okay I'm old I can't get pregnant but there's Hagar that Egyptian woman She's younger. She can give you a child. And Abraham said, the devil should have said, the devil is a liar. I rebuke that. I will not sleep with Hagar. I don't care how young she is. I don't care how fine she is. No. I'm not going to do it. We're going to wait on God. But he didn't. He went ahead with the plan. And then right from the beginning, there was drama, tension, agony. But this time, God said, you need to listen. Now, a lot of men are... A quick to quote Ephesians 5 about why be submissive to your husbands and all that stuff. They don't read Ephesians 5.21 because Ephesians 5.21 talks about mutual submission. 
Mutual submission. You got to be able to submit, to submit to one another, that you feed off one another. Your leader and co-leader, your manager and co-manager, you're in this marriage together. You work together as partners, amen, to raise your children, to build a life, to build a home. We do this thing together, not one up here and one way down here. We build together side by side. So God overruled in this matter, and he told Abraham to listen to your wife, Sarah. I'm going to bless Isaac, but I'm going to also bless Ishmael as well. And I don't know about you, but uh, women can save men from a lot of heartache and trouble if they listen. Amen. Now, listen, God has wired women's women differently than men. Women, they truly do have intuition. They, they, they do. They, they got this antenna that goes up way beyond where men are. Sister Lewis can pick up on stuff I can't pick up on. For me to make a decision, I got to read about it. I got to research it. I got to look at the stats. I got to analyze the data, do chart. Come on, somebody. Flow chart, all organization chart. I do all my homework, all my research and stuff. And I tell Sister Lewis, she's like, mm, I don't think that's a good idea. I'm like, what? Look at my research. Look at my files. Look at my books. Look at what I highlight. She's like, I don't know. Something in my spirit said that ain't quite right. <laughs> Listen, she ain't read nothing. <laughs> she ain't looked at nothing. <laughs> she ain't analyzed nothing. All I did was just tell her. She's like, no, something in my spirit said no, no, no. And I've listened, and I have learned to listen over the years. And that has saved me some heartache over the years. And listen, it just didn't happen. Men, let me, let me help you. It just didn't happen back then. She's still telling me stuff. <laughs> That's why she almost cussed that time when Janelle said, I want to find a man like my daddy. I said, she almost cussed. Come on. Do you think I got him just like he is today? You know how long I've been with your daddy? How much I've been working on your daddy? He didn't come like this. <laughs> you think he's okay now, but he was a hot mess when I got in a little country gangster. <laughs> Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Even today, you remember the little, the young lady up here doing offering? She reading the scripture and everything. If you looked over here, you notice I was on my phone, okay? Because when it's offering time, what I do, I get on my phone, I go to the website, to PayPal, and I pay my tithes and my offerings. Are you with me? So this it's offering time. It's blessing time in the house of the Lord. <laughs> Z, Amos, what you doing? I said, I'm giving my offering. Do you have to give it now? That looks rude. The church going on and you on your phone. And the Lord said, listen to Z. <laughs> All right. All right. Put up the chart and we're going home. All right. Put up the chart and we're going home. It's Mother's Day. Y'all need to get there early. Okay. Chart of promise, so you see the Old Testament, New Testament. Isaac, uh, Ishmael represents the Old Testament, okay? And out of Ishmael, we have the, the Arabs, okay? The Middle East, okay? And then from Isaac, we have the Jews, okay? The Old Testament, Ishmael, the law, symbolized by Hagar, the bondwoman, okay? The slave, the servant, okay? Uh, the New Testament, that's Sarah, okay? Symbolized by grace, 
okay? Uh, Old Testament, that's about work or works, okay? That's man's plan, okay? That's the flesh. When Abraham got with Hagar, that's the flesh trying to make God's promise good. That's what happens when you get in the flesh, uh, the, 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 the flesh and trying to serve God. But the promise came through Isaac and Sarah, okay? That's God's plan. The law was given at Mount Sinai, but grace happened on Calvary. The law covered your sins. The sacrifice in the Old Testament covered your sin, but Jesus came to remove your sin. All right, go to the next slide, and we're going home. Not that one, the next one. Okay, we'll stay, we'll stay there. Okay, this is my second closing. Now, I was reading a book, and it was saying that the news reporter asked this uh, grandmother who was marching because of the Montgomery bus got by Parkot. Uh, they had shut things down for a little over a year because they refused to ride on the bus and sit in the back of the bus and give up their seat and things of this nature. They wouldn't hire black drivers and all that. So they shut the system down, so they had to walk and carpool and do all these things. One of the news reporters asked the old lady, uh, why are you marching? She said, I'm not marching for myself. She said, I'm marching for my children and my grandchildren. And on this Mother's Day, let me tell you something. There are some children, because, they, because their mother or their parents don't speak good English, didn't go to a good school, don't dress like you dress and act like you do, act and all polished like you, there are some children who are actually embarrassed by their parents, and I say shame on you. Because that woman is the one who gave you birth and raised you. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to ever be ashamed of my mama, my dad, or anybody in my family because we are family. Come on, somebody. And blood is thicker than water. I praise God for my heritage. I praise God for my mama, my dad, my grandmama, my granddad. Even though they had some issues, I thank God for them because I'm standing on their shoulders. I couldn't be where I am and have what I have. It had not been for my parents sacrificing for me and giving things for me so I could have what I have and be where I am today. Don't you ever be ashamed of your parents. Be proud of who you are. Here's my third closing. So if you've been asleep, wake up. <laughs> this is it. And I want to say this. I was listening to a message. Pastor gave this great illustration. I thought I wanted to use it today. But anyway... You know how sometimes we'll have our plan, like Abraham and Sarah, they had their plan, but it wasn't God's plan, and it didn't work out? On National Geographic, they were showing this story about a mother hawk. The mother hawk was getting ready to lay her eggs, so she needed a nest, safe, comfortable, secure nest to place her eggs, or to lay her eggs. So she went out and got different grasses and, and, and weeds and sticks and things of that nature and began to build her nest in this tree. And while she was going back and forth building her nest in the tree, the wind came along and blew the nest out of the tree. Not to be discouraged or deterred because she's a mother. She went back out there. She got more grasses, more weeds, more sticks, and she rebuilt, started to rebuild her nest again in the same tree. But while she was rebuilding her nest again in the same tree, the wind came along again and blew the nest away. 
So she thought to herself, well, I'm going to rebuild again, but the next time I'm not going to build in a tree. The next time I'm going to build in the cleft of the rock. So she elevated her game and she went higher and she built her nest in the rocks. And when the wind blew, it did not touch the nest because the nest was built in the cleft of the rock. And I'm saying that you need to build your life in the cleft of the rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest rain, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the silent rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. But watch this. But here's the part of the story that messed me up. Not that she just built her nest in the cleft of the rocks. She left the cleft of the rocks after she laid her eggs and had her little babies. She left the cleft of the rocks to get food and stuff for her babies. And when she flew out of the nest to get food and stuff for her babies, she noticed that the tree that she was trying to build her nest in, the wind had blew it down. God saw in advance that the tree was going to be blown down. So God said, I'm not going to let you build a nest here because it's not safe. So when she saw the tree that had been blown down where she was going to build her nest, she just circle around that same tree and went up just a little bit higher. Every now and then you need to go back to your past and revisit some of that stuff and circle around and say, you thought it was going to kill me. You thought I was going to lose my mind. You thought I was going to lose my marriage. You thought I was going to lose my ministry. But baby, I'm going to elevate my game. I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm going to hide myself in the cleft of the rock. And Jesus is that rock. Okay, let's go home. To my left. To my left. Thank you for tuning you in to our prayer. podcast today. We pray this message has encouraged your heart and renewed your spirit. If this message has been a blessing to you, please share it with everyone you know. If you would like to help support the ministry, spread the gospel, and assist in funding community service projects at Rising Star, visit our website at www.risingstarbaptist.org. Rising Star Network, Rising Star Church.